0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode six of the Legacy Exchange podcast. I'm your host Taylor Janet here with my and co-host
1: George Miles, also known as Pop Up,
0: and I'm going to pass it off to my Pop Up to introduce our very special guest.
1: Yeah, Taylor, I was thinking about now we we have recorded all the uh, different individuals part of our legacy but we didn't get your mom. So I said, let's get your mom involved. So that came to me one night, in the middle of the night, like most of my ideas, and I said, let's interview Tammy. She's got an interesting career, and, and we can talk about what she's done and not done and things that she wished for herself to go forward. So I just want to introduce Tammy. Tammy, welcome. Tammy Melita Miles-Brown. Welcome to our podcast, Legacy Exchange.
2: Yeah, I'm so glad to be a part of the podcast today.
1: This is the first time we've done a a guest live from another location. So this is really very special to him. Welcome and welcome again. Go ahead, Taylor.
0: Why don't you go ahead and start by giving us an introduction? Tell us about yourself.
1: Yeah, tell us about
2: you, please. Hello, both of you. I am Dr. Tammy Melita Miles-Brown. I am Taylor's mother and Pop-Pop's daughter. So I'm right in the middle of (laughs) that. Oh, my goodness. We're
1: squeezing you, Tam.
0: Yes. Wonderful. Okay,
1: You have introduced yourself as my daughter and Taylor's mom. So you're right in between the legacy exchange. But tell us about yourself, Tim. Tell us about where you got started, what you're doing now, how you got started. Go through your career for us.
2: Like Taylor, I graduated from Spelman College in 1990. I grew up in New Jersey, went to high school in New Jersey, graduated from Spelman in 1990. And I, at that time, thought I wanted to go into like human resources, corporate. And I worked at Warner Lambert for three years and realized that I was probably best in more of a service field and wanted to do something different. So I did an alternative certification and I went to Mercer University in Atlanta and received my... Were Were
1: you living in Atlanta then?
2: I was. I was living in Atlanta. And I did my certification there and I started working in 1995, but 1993, when I was going through my certification, I was a paraprofessional, which is like a teacher's aide. So I actually started education in 1993 and I became a full-time teacher in 1995. Uh-huh. I was teaching first grade in Atlanta public schools under the leadership of Dr. Barbara Culp, she was a great principal. And I was there and then I went to Cobb County. But one interesting fact, cause we talk about legacies, you know, as a young teacher, you know, you learn from your older veterans teachers. So my very first year, you know, and it's kind of like the legacy of education. One of the teachers said to me, well, what's next? What are you going to do next? I said, oh, I'm not doing anything. I'm just going to teach first grade and be happy and blah, blah. She's like, no, you have to always be thinking about your plan because your plan, when you get tired, you're going to want a plan to go to. And that was from a teacher who had been teaching for 25 years. So she convinced me to go back and get my graduate degree, my master's in early childhood education. And it was 1997. I graduated with my master's. I had still been teaching first grade. And I never really thought I was going to ever use it, but I had it in my back pocket. So I then went to Cobb County and I was there for another five years. And during that time, Taylor was born in
1: 1999.
2: All right, Taylor. Taylor was born. She became my legacy. She was born in. Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. So then in what um, year, I think it was like 2003, just life circumstances and life changes, I ended up moving to Pittsburgh. And it was at that time I used my early childhood degree. Because when do I was I, in Pittsburgh, people, they, they didn't hire people from the outside. And they're like, oh, most people in Pittsburgh public suck for 10 years. I'm like, well, I've already taught for 10 years. So they were like, well, we have an opening up preschool. So you can be a preschool coach, an education coach. And I had the unique certification of early childhood. So back then when Miss Bryant, my legacy teacher, the older veteran teacher, told me to get it, I never knew I would use it until I got to Pittsburgh. So that's just how God works. So then I became an educational coach for Atlanta. I mean, I'm sorry, Pittsburgh Public Schools. And I did that and I would go to 12 schools. And I had never really thought about education outside of my own classroom because I always loved being a teacher. But when I went and became a coach and saw all these different schools and how they were ran, I knew it all depended on the leadership. And they all heard the same message. They all went to the same meetings. They all had the same materials. But each school culture was so different. So I was like, I can do that. So I was given, um, you know, I was talking to one of the principals who I had gotten close to. And she's like, you have to understand when you venture into leadership, it takes you so you expand how many kids you're supporting and how many families instead of just your own class family. So I went to Carlo University and received my certification in educational leadership. And at that year, they told me there's no jobs. You're, you know, there's no openings for assistant principals. And I happened to be at an audit doing a Head Start audit. And I was downtown and I actually was walking in HR. And HR guy looked at me. He says, come see me tomorrow. I said, OK. So I came down tomorrow. And I sat across from this lovely lady, her name was Val Lucas, and he brought us both in because Val was being asked to be an acting principal. And Mr. Chester at the time said, I'm making her acting principal. And Val, if you want somebody, here's Tammy, and she can be your acting assistant principal. And then after years in Pittsburgh Public, I end up meeting Dr. Frost in Sarasota County. And This is where I am for the last four years. I'm assistant principal at Wilkerson Elementary, Sarasota. You've
1: been there four years. I've been
2: in the district five years. This is my fifth year. I started in 2019. Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: I kept thinking you were, but you were, how many years ago you were at Booker?
2: One. Remember one and a half because I was sick when I had COVID. Okay. This is my third year here. But
1: let me me ask you a question, Damien. What did uh, this No Openings teach you about yourself?
2: Well, I think that's when we talk about legacy because both my mom and dad had very strong worth ethics and they never took no for an answer. So being persistent and, you know, knowing when your time is coming, it was going to happen. So that was just something I learned from my parents who, and I hope I pass that down to Taylor.
1: Good. I hope you got that, T. Yeah. (laughs)
2: Yeah. He has it all right.
1: Okay. Tammy, let me ask you a question relative to some of the friends you've gathered, your network of friends you've gathered over the years. What are they? Who are they? And how do they contribute to your success?
2: I, I mean, I have friends who are like family. They're like sisters. When I went to Spelman, that's when you really understood what sisterhood was, and it just came naturally. And honestly, that was 1986. And the ones I'm closest to, people I'm closest to, are usually the ones still from Spelman. I mean, and then I've met people along the way, like a couple work friends here and there, but. My core group of friends are my Spellman sisters.
1: Taylor, and did I, you find that the same? Your f- friends that you gathered over the years were a lot of your sisters from Spellman?
0: Yes, a lot of my friends are from Spellman, but I also have a lot of friends that I've met through other organizations like Jack and Jill that I'm still really close with as well.
2: Yeah, and I would say that too, Taylor, because You know, Spelman kind of gave you the core and knowing what sisterhood really looked like. And then as you venture out and get older, and I became a part of the Lynx and Delta Sigma Theta, you, you get to know other organizations and get another level of sisterhood. And that's kind of really why I wanted Taylor to take the plunge and go to Spelman as a legacy.
1: Well, she took it and she not only took it, but she... She's running away with it.
2: She did much better than me. Much.
1: We're so proud of Taylor. But this is not about talent. It's about you right now,
0: Sam. Okay. Right, Taylor? That's right. I was letting you ask all your questions before I yeah, asked. I'm, I'm finished. Oh, okay. So, can you share some of your most memorable moments and experiences from your 30-plus year career in
2: education? one thing I love about education that no day is ever the same. And you just like, the and it has expanded so much because technically when I think in 1993, this is my 30th year. So wow. I have 30 years working in education. So from what I saw in 1993 <laughs> to now, I mean, it's just unbelievable how times have changed and just the expectations of what educators are supposed to do. It's like, you know, it's kind of hard because I think if I was just starting out in education now, I don't know if I would be able to do a 30 year career in education. The way well,
0: What was your first batch of kids like versus? the kids you see today, personality wise, they're in two completely different generations, right? Uh, So those would have been, I think, older millennials. Um, So tell me a little bit more about how they acted and if they had any noticeable personality
2: traits versus the kids you see now. Yeah, they were first graders. And I had a small room, I think I had only like 16 kids at my first year. And you know, education was so different. So they were real chatty, like they would talk a lot. And Miss Bryant, my mentor teacher and another teacher would be like, Tammy, this is your classroom. When you tell them to be quiet, they are supposed to be quiet. You know, so back then, interesting, they were they might have challenged you, but they did not challenge you to this extent. So they knew the teachers the parents respected the role of the educator. The kids knew their role in school, and they were definitely more you know compliant and interested in education, and people appreciated it. Totally different than now. <laughs> now it's very challenging. I mean, today, for example, you know, we practice doing a lockdown drill in case of an active shooter. you know, and I had to tell the kids. We actually practice today in the cafeteria because we usually practice eight o'clock, nine o'clock, but I said, you know, if someone comes into our school, we have to be ready in every setting. The kids did an amazing job, but I never imagined in nineteen ninety three that we'd be doing active drills monthly, not for fires, but for lockdown in case of a shooter. So that's probably the biggest difference. But kids nowadays the one thing I like about now this as we went through the many years of education is that kids when you really are learning, you're not learning rote. You really learn when kids are facilitating and actively engaged in their education. So classrooms shouldn't be back then classrooms you went in and classrooms were quiet. Now you you see kids sit in collaborative groups. You see kids challenging each other, discussing things. You know, they're more active and engaged in their learning. And it's a different time. So compared to that- Is is that
1: good, Sammy? Is that really good?
2: That's excellent because those are life skills you need as an adult. Unless you work in a cubicle by yourself, you're expected to work collaboratively. You're expected to be able to say, you know what? I don't agree with you. This is my opinion, but you still can get along. So those really like how we, our schools are now, you know, besides the Troublesome things, they really are a place to grow collaboratively, you know, and kids facilitating their education and their discussion. They're having accountable talk. They're showing evidence for their answers. So people in education now, it's totally different.
1: You you made that transition 30 years ago to today.
2: And it happened so gradually because, like I said, Ms. Bryant, who is my mentor, She said, Tammy, my first year, she's the one who told me to get my degree, you know, a high degree. But she said, this class will be your best class. Every year, you're going to see something different. And it is. We didn't have cell phones back then. We didn't have to worry about pronouns of children. We didn't really have, I mean, I'm sure there was bullying, like, on the way home. But, like, now it's cyberbullying. It doesn't stop. It's social media. Yeah, it's just such a well like a whole other bucket of things that have happened. And then we have a lot more kids who struggle with, you know, their mental health and emo you know, emotions. So we have more aggressive kids than we because back then those kids would never have stayed in school. Anyway. I have a question.
1: Right. Right, yes. yeah.
2: So tell me about your 30 years
0: in, at what point did you decide I want to get my PhD? Tell us what you got your PhD in, what that journey was like. But one, what inspired you to get it? What was the experience like? Tell us what it entails and if you've seen any benefits or any differences in your education career after getting your doctorate.
2: Well, interesting. Like, just like I said about Ms. Bryant, everything kind of just, it, I mean, I don't want to say happened, it just lined up the way God had it be. Because- I went, just like edu- being an administrator, I wasn't starting out my career to want to be an administrator. And then here I am. But as far as the PhD, someone asked me to teach an adjunct class at Robert Morris University. And I taught a class. It wasn't a psychology class. It was at night, you know, just to see how it was for higher ed. And at the end, Mr. Um, Simage he said, Tammy, we're going to have... um What He He said, we're getting ready to start a PhD program in education. And there was a lot of programs, but usually they were like, they weren't PhD programs and they were usually like in business and stuff. He's like, it's in the School of Education and it's a PhD in instruction, management and technology. So he's like, you should apply. And I didn't even go home and call my mom and dad and say, oh, apply. I said, well, you know what? I'll throw my name in the hat. <laughs> Just like that. I said, I'll throw my name in the hat. And honestly, I don't even think, you know, it was the second cohort because it was a cohort model. So it was very new. But at the time, they had over 90 applicants. They were only taking 12. So 90. And they, I don't know how many people to interview, but I didn't even tell my mom and dad So I was getting ready to interview. I said, I'm, I'm getting ready to apply for a PhD program. And you can say, I think everyone was kind of surprised, like you are, you know, but it was a great, I mean, it was a great experience because you had shared learners. Like everyone is in education in some form, higher ed, in a corporate training and development. So it was different levels of education. We still all shared that same experience and it was a cohort. So we really got to know each other very, very well. Pop-up, tell us about
0: your reaction when she told you about the PhD program.
1: I was very, very proud of it because, you know, a PhD, we don't have any doctors in our family. I've got a couple of honorary doctorates, but it's not the same as uh, when you work hard for it and that and, and, uh, you awarded a doctorate. I was very, very proud that she was going. I gave her as much encouragement as I could along the way. And I know you were a very young child, huh? so mm-hmm. I made sure that I was there babysitting when you were young, so that she could go to class. I was very, very proud of her, and still proud
0: of her. Yeah, thank you. Okay, keep going. I just wanted to get that, you know, the multi-generational yes. experience. and I
2: did my, and it has paid off. I wish I would have, you know, I did transition and you know, life, but I wish I would have been able to do more research, but it's very hard to do education research because higher education doesn't pay for in the school of education. So I really didn't go beyond my PhD, but, you know, but that might be something I do later, but my PhD is looking at the influence of African-American women in K-12 education. So I did a qualitative study on four African-American women in Pittsburgh public who did, you know, their schools just were at a whole different level. And why was their schools so much more powerful than the school right two miles away? It was a great experience and great dissertation. And um, at the time, Dr. Gretchen Jenneret, who was my advisor, but she ended up moving on and Dr. Simmons ended up finishing with me. She said to me, I was like, oh, I want to go back to Atlanta and get a couple more administrators there and get people there. She's like, listen, the best dissertation is a done dissertation. So I- um, What had, do you mean a
1: done dissertation? What do you mean by Meaning
2: like, instead of having all these ideas and thoughts, actually doing it and finishing it. So done dissertation. Like the best dissertation is actually a finished dissertation. Do
1: so, you remember who you, you're- Four ladies said you a role model in your dissertation.
2: I did. One was the like the first African American woman in Pittsburgh. She since passed Dr. Helen Faison. One was Kathy Moran. She actually started as a parent and worked all the way up as a principal. And she was my second. The other one was Dr. Regina Holly. Who was a very powerful principal at the time, who ended up being a board member in the end. And the other one was Miss Burgess. And, you know, it was certain themes that came out of my doctoral work. But the main theme that I ride and pride myself on now is that they all heard the same message and they all had the same resources and stuff. But all those women went beyond just what they heard. They did whatever it takes to educate children. And that was what they shared. And that's why their schools were so above everybody else.
1: That's great. Go ahead, Taylor.
2: How long did the PhD program take? Everyone knows themselves. And I did mine in a cohort style and it was three years. And that worked for me. So from day one, you start talking about your your topic and dissertation, and it has to be something you're very interested in. You can't just pick something haphazardly because you really have to go in depth. So it was three years to the date. I went every Wednesday and like Day said, you know, between him and mommy, you know, and then Miss Day who babysat you, there was always somewhere to help me with you so I could get school done. And then on the weekend, I would get up at five o'clock in the morning and do my schoolwork so you didn't have to miss like birthday parties and stuff. Aww. Oh
1: that's great. That's yeah. cute. How what year did you what year did you get me did you get your PhD time?
2: Twenty oh nine.
1: And what year did you get it?
2: Twenty oh nine. I started 2006. Oh, oh,
1: 2009. okay. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it was three years today. We started in like May with orientation and we graduated in May. And it was very nice because, of course, you all were there, but then Uncle Bob came up for graduation. So it was a nice experience.
1: Yeah. What do you remember about your mom and her graduation and her studies?
0: What
2: um,
1: do you remember?
2: Know. Not much,
0: to be completely honest. <laughs> I've seen the pictures, but I don't remember. The only thing I remember is, um. Her party, she had mugs with her
2: face on it. Yeah. And that's all I <laughs> And then yeah. she wanted mugs for her graduation. And you got mugs for her day.
1: Oh, yeah. I would have done that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely right. I would have done that.
0: Yeah. So. It was
1: it a great idea. So why not? Mm-hmm. It's a good idea. You stick with it. Yeah. That's
0: great. Okay, I want to switch gears a little bit. It's been so interesting hearing more about your journey and education. I have a lot of friends who are educators, and I hope they can all gain something from this podcast episode. I want to switch gears and talk about generational experiences. You're born at the end of the '60s, so what was it like growing up in the '70s? I feel like in the media or on TV, you see like the peace signs and the bell bottoms and the hippies. Is that real? Or is that what you
2: experienced or is that kind of I was little know, so kind of like you with the PhD. You have to ask Papa, I don't remember what it was like when I was like two, three. I you know, five, I wouldn't remember I mean, yeah, you see pictures, but okay.
1: Well seven Taylor, I remember (laughs) the 70s. But your mom grew up. It's interesting. I was thinking about this the other day. She grew up in a period of time when you, the rap groups all the rappers were coming to fruition. And I remember that because it was like 50, they all celebrating the rap or hip hop for 50 years. And so your mother graduated, how many years ago, Tam? 30 years oh, ago.
2: From high school or college?
1: No from college
2: i graduated yeah, I graduated
1: in nineteen ninety so the 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 difference is that I remember uh, your mom graduate, going, taking her to a rap concert at Madison Square Garden. you remember that Tim? I do, I remember like yesterday and i I really enjoyed it, but I was the only one in that whole uh, Madison Square Garden who was over thirty years old. <laughs>
2: And you know what's interesting that now makes sense because hip hop has 50 years of celebration, anniversary right Right. now. Exactly
1: Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. Exactly right. Yeah.
2: Speaking
0: of hip hop, you also had a really different Spellman experience from me because you went to Spellman in the late 80s, early 90s. What was it like? going to Selman during the Freaknik era.
2: I have to know. It was amazing. That's all I can say. We had a bomb. We had so much fun. Can you tell the listeners what Freaknik is? Well, at the time, Freaknik was this big party in in the park. And it was just that. It's called Freaknik. It wasn't a picnic. It was Freaknik. And everyone wore the little cute outfits and went to the party. And, in fact, my first year, it was on my birthday. And I remember that because Day and Mommy, no, Day came down, picked me and my friends up, took us to eat. I think we went to Hands. Then he dropped us off at the party and was blown away because we jumped out the car. We were ready to go.
1: Tell <laughs> I'll never forget that experience. And I looked <laughs> out and saw all these thousands that looked like thousands of kids all jumping up and down. And then and they Sammy and her friends all running I said, Oh my God, what did I do? What did I lead here into?
2: And it was so <laughs> They don't have
1: freak by the way, they don't have Freaknik anymore.
2: They tried to re like rejuvenate it or whatever, but It's just a different era. It would get shot up, to be completely honest. We don't, like when we were there, people might have a fist fight or something. I mean, not even that, but you didn't have to worry about being shot. You didn't have to be worried about being in the crowd and anything. Like you didn't have to worry about that at all. So we, I mean, and those are the best bonding moments at Spelman because we would just all worry about our little outfits and head to the park. <laughs> I think we went three years in a row. But they also had like stuff that they did then, you know, they didn't do like they didn't have the DC pajama party when you went to Salmon, did they? No, they didn't have Yeah, that. but we didn't have granddaughters club either. So, you know, they they, they I, I they, never participated in that anyway. <laughs> oh, okay.
1: Yeah, I'll never forget that. It was at a big park and all I was these black kids. All right, moving in the same beat. And, oh, my God. What have I done <laughs> what, when I leave my daughter off to?
0: Oh, my gosh. That is a fun birthday. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people from my year of gener like, we know what Freaknik is. Everyone's heard of Freaknik. But the funny thing is that our parents are like the Freaknik generation. So that's something we used to always talk about at Spelman. Like, oh, our parents were at the Freaknik days. Yeah. <laughs> We didn't have that, no. Well, that's good, yeah. One last legacy question for you. Uh, two. Two questions, okay. One, tell us what legacy means to you. And two, tell us about some legacies that you've learned from your parents or even grandparents, that'd be kind of cool, that you hope to pass down to future generations.
2: What legacy means to me is, like, who comes after you and how they represent you. So like, I'm my parents' legacy, you know, and you're their legacy too, but you're after me. So like the person, like your family and how you represent yourself after. So you're a legacy, you know? I think the biggest thing, your legacy, is how people can speak to you. And my parents were always there. They were always there. And they learned that, like my dad learned that from his father. You know, because my grandfather was always there. A hard worker. I remember, in fact, it was funny. I was telling my coworker how he would ask us each, how many White Castles do you want? <laughs> and he would get them out White Castle burgers, you know? Like, <laughs> come home. If we said three, you better eat three, <laughs> you know? But like, it, like your legacy is how you live your life and how it passes down. So, how I have work ethics, how I have trust and caring, you don't just get that on your own. You get that from the generation before. So, my parents were hard workers. They had caring and put everything into me. So, that's what I'm going to do for you. And I hope when you have your family, you know, you put you, your family at the top like that. So, I think legacy, you know, is very important because you want. To carry your name well. So, from generations to generations, you want people to be like, oh, yeah, that's George Miles' authority. You know, he don't want to be like, oh, he can go anywhere and be like, oh, Tammy's a great worker. Tammy's nice. You know, not, oh, Tammy's mean. So, that's what I think it means. Oh, that's a great
0: definition. I love that.
1: It is very good. I love
2: it. How you carry yourself, you know, (laughs) and you represent others.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of the Legacy Exchange. It was truly a pleasure. And I even learned something new about you today. You said something and I was like, oh, (laughs) I didn't know that. (laughs) So it was truly a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining. She's actually zooming in from school, you guys. She's insanely dedicated.
2: (laughs) On a Friday. But just one more thought. I just think like, you know, I don't think anything happens. I think God just orders all our steps. You know, he gives you the parents that you need. I hope I'm the parent you need. Just like my career path for 30 years, nothing was haphazardly. When I look back, I'm like, oh, down to even how I got to Sarasota. Didn't even think I would end up here. And here I am five years in 30 years. Wow.
1: That's good, yeah. <laughs> you know, I really enjoyed chatting with you, too, Jim. And, I know. And uh tell, you're right. I learned oh, all two things myself. Better about this Freednik show. <laughs>
2: <laughs> about the what?
1: The Freednik.
2: Oh, you knew about that because you were there.
1: No, I know. I wasn't. I wasn't a participant. I was uh, no. outside looking in.
2: Mm. Oh, it was
0: the adjunct professor. That's what. Um, I didn't know you did that. So that was good. Yeah. Kind of cool.
2: Mm-hmm. And I, because I had come from elementary school and I taught that class at the very last day of the class, I brought a cake because in elementary school, you know, we show love through food, you know? So I brought a cake, a celebratory cake. So they, you know, and the high, the college kids were so excited because I said it was their last day. College kids love
0: food. I, I love food. I'm happy. <laughs>
2: The education has been a journey. We've seen a lot. It's changed, you know. Like I said, I don't know if I was starting out, some of the things you see now would be able to make thirty years. But where I started to now, it's been a blessing, a very fruitful, rewarding career.
1: I bet you've been a blessing to those young folks that you mentored along the way.
2: Yeah, there has been several. You know. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Before you go on, did you have? You have a couple of kids and. Pittsburgh, you mentored too,
2: didn't you? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's probably the thing that keeps you motivated about education because somebody, a couple weeks ago, I was been been out of Pittsburgh for a long time. She sent me a text. She went to the bank and she met a young lady named Alex. And I guess she just started chatting with her, you know, and Alex says, you know, I didn't even know how important math was until Dr. Miles Brown told me about how I need to get to my math class. That was years ago. So like, you just never know the impact of you have on someone's life. So I yeah. think it's kind of like a legacy, the same definition. You know, you're creating life, but your life is grounded on how someone did for you. You know, yeah, yeah because I have, um, one last thing. Like a student who unfortunately here didn't have the best start off, you know, in life, just circumstances. And someone says, you know, now she has a great life and she's so grounded. So I think being grounded helps for the next generation.
1: Good. Well, it's been really a pleasure, Tim. So, I'm so glad it came to me in the middle of the night that <laughs> you're an educator and you're a good, darn good educator with 30 years. Why not interview her?
2: Yeah. Oh, so it's yeah. been good. What do you, you think, Tim? i have a daughter who's been in education thirty years. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy, but really, and I am thinking about my next move too. Good. Well, we'll keep that one a surprise for the next episode. <laughs> yeah.
1: Hi, right, Tim.